Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Older Adult and Geriatric Nutrition Answers podcast, presented to you by LongTermCareRD.com. I'm Michelle Sari, your host and presenter of today's episode. So today we're going to be talking about a care plan, so a nutrition care plan for treating constipation. I did have an article out about this previously, which was free access on the website. But when I went back to look at it, I just found that it wasn't quite comprehensive enough. So I've gone back, completely updated it, and I'm going to link it in the show notes for you guys. If you're on the email list, it is actually going to be delivered to your email inbox already. So you don't even have to be clicking around on anything. So I've talked about nutrition care plans before, and if you want a breakdown of how to build one, you can go back to the previous episodes and find that one. I'll link it in the show notes as well. Um, But building a nutrition care plan, it's not a hard thing once you get the format down, because essentially what you're doing is you're just transcribing your entire nutrition assessment and your nutrition care process into a nutrition care plan. So it's not too hard. Um, And so I really nailed that down in a ton of articles on the website. There's an entire section with a bunch of sample nutrition care plans for different health conditions. So they're all free access for you. So feel free to check out the website for that. Um, But the reason that I wanted to talk about constipation today is because not many dietitians actually build nutrition care plans for constipation. And yet, if a patient has either chronic or acute constipation or random bouts with it, What most long-term care homes will do, or any home or facility that's working with the elderly, is typically the first thing is they'll just do medications. And that should not be your first line of defense to simply treat something um, with medications all the time, especially when it's largely a nutrition-focused issue. And so if we can reduce the polypharmacy and the pill burden and start getting to like the root cause of things like constipation, I think that we'll see better long-term results in the patient's overall health. So that's what I wanna tackle today. I wanna give you as nutrition care professionals a really great understanding of what we should be doing to help treat constipation and do it before the medications come about. So that's what we're gonna focus on today. So let's get started. Okay, so I'll give a broad overview. So constipation, it's a common gastrointestinal concern that healthcare practitioners we frequently encounter, especially when we're working with the older adult population. So what we're going to explore is I want to do the assessment, the diagnosis, and nutrition-focused physical, or not physical, but nutrition-focused interventions essential for developing a care plan that's effective for constipation. So constipation, It's characterized by infrequent and challenging passage of stool, which often results in hard and dry fecal matter. Now, this condition arises because of a complexity of factors, both in the gastrointestinal tract is affected, and also there's neurological processes that actually affect how constipation occurs. So if we're talking in physiological terms, constipation primarily manifests as a delay in the transit of stool through the colon. This can lead to excessive water absorption, and this means that you're going to get a harder, drier stool. So the underlying causes of constipation, typically it is multifactorial, and it involves lifestyle factors, dietary choices, medical conditions, medications, as well as psychological aspects. So if we look at some of the causes, constipation incidences, it does increase with age. So rates of constipation among those that are 65 years and older 
uh, we have 26% in women and about 16% in men. When we look at the age of 85 and older, there's 34% occurrences in women and 26% in men. Now, this might be higher in long-term care. This is kind of general care population, but these numbers, they're also expected to be underreported because a significant portion of people that deal with constipation, they're not going to officially report it to their doctor. Typically, they'll just treat it um, themselves or even in a long-term care facility. Maybe it's not always essentially diagnosed. Um, maybe it's just something that they deal with daily. So when we look at some frequent causes of constipation, it includes less physical activity, reduced overall movement, uh, medication addition or a change to medication, stress, slow gastrointestinal system related to aging, weight loss can actually contribute to it, older age, hormone changes, so we see this with hypothyroidism and diabetes, neurological diseases such as dementia, and Parkinson's disease, chronic kidney disease, we can actually see it, cancer as well as the related treatments, and metabolic issues. So when we see hyperhypocalcemia, kalemia, magnesemia, and uremia. But there's also diet-related constipation causes, obviously. So a low fruit and vegetable intake, low water intake, low whole grains in diet, highly processed foods, high deep fried, and low fluid intake just in general. And we also see a lot of medications that can cause constipation. So I'll link to a full list um, in the article, but just some of the ones we frequently see are the NSAIDs, the opioids, the antipsychotic drugs, the anticonvulsants, antidepressants, um, antihistamines, um, antihypertensive, chemotherapy drugs. So there are so many factors that contribute to constipation. And just like with any other nutrition issue that we find, we want to get to, well, what is the, hopefully we can find the root cause of constipation. And so some of the questions that you want to ask though, before you ask a doctor to change a medication because you believe it's contributing to the constipation is, well, when did the constipation begin? When was the bowel habits? When did they start slowing down? When was the medication started? Was the dosage of the medication changed? Were there any diet and lifestyle factors that changed at the same time? And if you do think that it is the medication, is there an alternative medication that's not going to affect the bowel habits quite as much? Because the first line of defense should not be to go up to a physician and ask them to change a medication because most are relatively hesitant to do it, especially if they find that this medication is effective in treating the condition that they prescribed it for initially. So I really want to find ways that we can manage constipation prior to addressing a medication. Um, some signs and symptoms of constipation, though, they're going to be fairly similar in all individuals, but there will be some different ones. Um, so straining when going to the bathroom, increased bloating and discomfort, increased gas. Maybe they don't feel like they completely evacuated their bowels after going to the bathroom. So a failed or lengthy attempt in the bathroom. Hard consistency of the bowel movements, bowel movements less than three times per week, and actually it really can cause severe abdominal pain. So someone may experience one or all of these symptoms when they're constipated. So when we talk about treating constipation, it might seem like something so small to you because at one time or another, I guarantee you, almost every single one of us has dealt with minor bouts of constipation, no matter how old or young you are. 
if you can imagine our patients in long-term care, if they're dealing with this on a weekly basis that they are always constipated, can you imagine how much discomfort and pain that they're always in and how this is going to affect their overall food and fluid intake? When you're constipated, the last thing that you want to do is you don't want to be eating more and drinking more. And so you can see a cycle start to come about where, okay, well, they're not going to eat quite as much or drink quite as much because going to the bathroom is a very unpleasant experience for them. But then the reality is that the only thing that's going to help them is going to the bathroom. So when you treat constipation, you truly are improving their quality of life. And that's how we need to look at it because we want to make their lives as wonderful as possible. And nutrition expands out into other areas, not just looking at, okay, well, what's their favorite foods to eat? That's not the only thing that we look at, but it is something that we look at. But we want to help treat the constipation because we don't want them to be having to take medications all the time for conditions that hopefully we can treat with a nutrition focused aspect. Okay, so let's start with the nutrition assessment because this is obviously where everything begins. So though constipation is multifactorial, it is important to look specifically at the diet of somebody in order to improve their symptoms. So number one, you want to go through your nutrition assessment sheet. I really hope you have a great one that answers all of these questions. So number one, review the patient's past medical history for relevant diagnoses that may be contributing to the constipation. So this could be dementia and cognitive impairments, neurological disorders, Parkinson's disease, all of the ones that I listed before, including inflammatory bowel disease, irritable bowel syndrome, and diverticulitis. So you're going to want to put on your nutrition assessment relevant diagnoses that are affecting them. You don't need to list every single um, medical condition and historical medical history. Like some people will write, well, they had a hip fracture. Is that contributing, especially if they had the surgery 10 years ago? No. So I leave that off my nutrition assessment. You don't need to write every single thing, especially let's say um, a woman had a hysterectomy 45 years ago. Well, no, that's not contributing to the nutrition assessment that I'm doing at this current time. So I'm leaving that off. I think that's a common mistake that we make when we're new dietitians is we feel like we have to put every single piece of information down. And as you get further along in your career, you realize, well, no, I'm only going to put the relevant information to the nutrition issue that I'm dealing with right now. So just a tip for those of you that are new dietitians, don't feel like if you leave a bunch of conditions off that are in no way relevant, that it's a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. Becoming efficient in your charting and documentation is a skill that's developed with time, and it's a really important skill to develop. So number two, obviously you're going to review their food and fluid intake and you're specifically going to be focusing on, okay, what is their current fiber intake daily as well as their fluid intake. Number three, you're going to review the bowel history. So look at the urine output regularity um, as well as bowel movement. I typically will look at a historical value of three months, but that is just my um, clinical preference. So you, what you want to be looking for, were there any changes? When did they occur? And look through the chart if there were any health-related changes around that time period that you're starting to notice that the constipation or there's reduced bowel activity throughout. Number four, review their changes in physical ability. So evaluate the person's current physical ability and note if there have been any changes over that same time period or since the constipation began to occur. So this might mean speaking with other members of the healthcare team to discuss any recent changes. So this might be something 
let's say you have a patient that has dementia and they were frequently pacing back and forth in the hallways. Well, we know that physical activity, including pacing, can help keep the bowels regular. And if they have recently stopped doing all physical activity, let's say they had just a, a random sudden acute illness that has made them more wheelchair bound, well, that's going to have a significant impact. Um, impact on their bowels because now they're not getting that daily physical activity. So if we know constipation occurred around that time, well, chances are there is a connection there. Number five, interview the patient and or their loved ones if they are involved. And you want to be asking questions about if there's a history of constipation, interventions that may have worked historically for them, as well as their current physical symptoms that they're reporting to you. So once you have your nutrition assessment all finished up, you're going to obviously move into your nutrition diagnosis and PES statements, all that kind of stuff. So in an article that I wrote, the constipation care plan, I did give you five sample PES statements that you can actually use in practice. Obviously, you'll change out the signs and symptoms, um, but something could be along the lines of altered GI function constipation due to related to inadequate dietary fiber intake as evidenced by infrequent bowel movements, hard and dry stool, abdominal discomfort, and straining during defecation. So you're going to change out what applies to your patient, but if you are just looking for some sample PES statements that would be related to this, that's what you're going to be looking at. So next you're going to set your nutrition goals. So nutrition goals, they're always going to be developed in conjunction with the patient and their loved ones. And you can also get the healthcare team's input as well. And it's important that all the factors contributing to constipation are addressed. So here's some sample nutrition goals that you could use. Patient will have bowel movement daily through increased dietary fiber intake. Patient will have decreased physical symptoms of constipation through increased fiber in their diet. Patient will have increased fluid intake to a minimum of 2,000 milliliters daily. Patient will have 40 grams of fiber in their diet daily. Obviously, that's a little above what the recommendation is, but you can see how these nutrition goals are, um, they're measurable. So, and it's going to be individualized to what you're doing with that patient. So we move on to our nutrition interventions, and of course, always do these specifically for that patient. So... Um, some nutrition interventions you could use are patient will be given 40 grams of fiber in their daily food and fluids. Patient will have two tablespoons of ground flaxseed added to their daily oatmeal at breakfast. Patient will have whole wheat and whole grain products in place of white breads and pastas when on menu. Patient will be given a cup of fluids daily to have by their bedside. So when you start to gather the nutrition preferences for your patient, it'll be easier to build in how you can develop nutrition interventions. So if we just look at the current fiber recommendations, though, for women, it's 21 to 25 grams per day, and for men, it's 30 to 38 grams per day. So it's important that if you're adding more fiber to their diet, you're also increasing the fluids as well, um, because you do need to avoid the uncomfortable gas and bloating that would come along with um, having too much fiber and not enough fluid. So we move on to the nutrition monitoring and evaluation and this is going to be based on whatever interventions you put in place. So some of the things that you could monitor though are obviously the frequency of bowel habits after interventions are put in place, the reported physical symptoms after the interventions, um, the actual daily intake of the new fiber-rich interventions, um, 
patient-reported symptoms, change in physical activity, changes in medication. So these are going to be things that you're going to monitor. Now, that's all for the nutrition care plan, but obviously you're going to be working as a team to deal with the constipation. So you're going to be working with nursing, you're going to be working with um, hopefully the therapeutic recreation team or the rehab aid, because you're going to want to put other interventions in place to have the best chance of success at dealing with the constipation. And something like that might look like working with uh, nursing to make sure that um, fluids are handed out on a more frequent basis because typically nurses and healthcare aides will be the ones that are giving them fluids between meals. And secondly, you can work with, depending on your facility, whether they have a exercise program and even something as simple as doing arm exercises or leg exercises in the wheelchair, if that's all they can do, that can still really help not only mentally, but also with the constipation issues. So you're going to want to work with the team in order to address the constipation because no one medical intervention works in isolation. It has to be an entire healthcare team approach. So those are my suggestions. Um, so building a care plan for constipation, you need your multidisciplinary team because if you're trying to get to the underlying cause and put interventions in place that are going to deal with it, I guarantee you it's going to be life-changing for that individual that you're helping. So I will link everything that I talked about in the show notes today. I just want to remind everybody that we have a great shop. If you're looking for long-term care dietitian reference guides, um, they're all available online. And I'm very grateful for everybody for joining me today. So be sure to like and follow the show on your Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at LongTermCareRD and find the website at www.LongTermCareRD.com. And in the show description notes, you'll find all the articles that I referenced today. We'll see you again next week.